0: This is The Illinois.
1: This is my time. This is our time. Grab that bull by the horns and own it, man. Today's your day. Let's go to work.
2: Welcome to The Illinois' podcast. The Illinois'
1: Cutting through the noise of Illinois' politics. Here's your host, Patrick Fingston. Well, hello there and good afternoon. It is the day after Election Day, Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. Welcome to our weekly uh, live streaming podcast. I'm Patrick Fingston. I write the Illinois.com, the political newsletter. uh, And uh, uh, we are all a little short on sleep. Uh, Our nerves are all a little frayed uh, but we have survived another election in our, in our wonderful state. Uh, and, uh, we're going to bring in some really, uh, really great people to, uh, talk about what they saw, what the takeaways are and what it means, uh, for you, uh, in our, in our show today. Um, I, I wanted to first, uh, go through a few, uh, uh, results, uh, as we have them, uh, as of uh, noon or so today, uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker reelected 54 uh, percent of the vote uh, over Republican uh, State Senator Darren Bailey. Uh, Democrat Kwame Raul wins. Uh, Democrat Alexei Genulius wins the uh, secretary of state race uh, over Republican Dan Brady. He uh, this this was a, a race where Republicans maybe had a, a modicum of of hope. Uh, but but it uh, followed the trend uh, for, uh, for straight Democrat uh, down the ticket, uh, U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth. Also, Susana Mendoza um, uh, wins re-election handily uh, over uh, McHenry County Auditor Shannon Terezi. U.S. Senate uh, Tammy Duckworth wins uh, handily over Republican Kathy Salvi. Uh, Sean Caston wins the 6th District. Bill Foster wins the 11th District. Lauren Underwood wins the 14th District. And uh, the constitutional amendment, uh, the uh, workers' rights amendment, amendment one, whichever you want to call it, uh, is um, currently not hitting the 60% threshold uh, that is uh, required for the easy passage, 60% of uh, uh, of votes on the question. Uh, It also has a secondary path to uh, passage if it hits 50% plus one. Of all of the votes that are um, cast in the entire election. So we don't have a number of of all of the ballots that are uh, that that have been uh, cast uh, as of uh, as of this morning. when I was looking at it late last night, it looked like it was close uh, within um uh, five thousand or so votes potentially. So hopefully we'll get a a number from the state Board of elections on that uh, as well. And in the two Supreme Court races in the Chicago area, uh, the suburbs, uh, Elizabeth Rochford uh, beat Mark Curran, and uh, Mary Kay O'Brien is likely to beat uh, Michael Burke, the incumbent uh, state Supreme Court justice. So uh, that's kind of the quick rundown. We'll get to some legislative stuff too. Uh, First, though, we are going to bring in uh, two uh, wonderful uh, folks to, to discuss some of this uh with us we are um pleased to welcome us former state representative letessa wallace and uh current state representative mark batnick uh you guys have uh muted yourselves so i don't know that i can there we go yeah all right so uh first uh you two served together in the house uh letessa you're a, a progressive democrat mark you're kind of a centrist republican um it's, it's nice to see that after a, uh, a bru- bruising, battling election season, uh, hey, look, Republicans and Democrats can still talk to each other. So, so first, welcome and thank you guys for, for being here. Um, Mark, I, I've got to start with you um, because this is um, everything we heard in the last week or so. Was that things were closing for Republicans? It was going to be whether a red wave nationally, or or a place where Republicans were going to pick up uh, congressional seats. Uh, the the governor's race was going to be closer than we expected. Uh, the you know the Senate Republicans. Somebody told me they thought they could pick up as many as six seats yesterday. None of that happened. It was a a clear repudiation. Of of Republicans specifically in the suburbs, what happened?
0: Uh, well, I think I think when you have, um, I watch the show Air Disasters, and we have a bad night like we had last night. Sometimes it's not one thing that makes makes things go. It's it's like when a plane crashes, and you're watching these shows. It's like three or four, even five things all happen at the same time. So, I think we're going to have to reconstruct this. Obviously, the the Roe v Wade um issue uh and the dobbs decision mattered mattered large except you know i was begging for the approach of talking about of actually addressing the issue um talking about extremism on the democratic side the removal of parental notification um how that literally protects child uh child rapists and sex traffickers and nobody really wanted to go that direction um you know bailey didn't go that direction you counter that with what um uh, desantis did down in florida where he actually um, you know, address the issue that said, Hey, where are we going? Where are we going to draw the line? And and he did a little bit better. So you had the Dobbs decision. You certainly had Trump away. Trump had a bad night last night. Um, And then the other thing that I would say in in Illinois, specifically, I don't know how this plays in the rest of the country. But, you know, the money and the map matters. So if you look at a race like um, uh, Marty Moylan won by seven points. Nobody did anything there. Nobody spent any big money. I would have thought if you would have told me Marty Moylan was going to win by seven points in his district, I would think we'd be picking up seats.
3: Well, I, I live
1: in, I live in that district. So uh, we got mail from Moylan every day for the last month. And uh, the outside group, the John Tillman group was spending money in that race too for Lupo. So, so yeah, there, it, there, and, there was and not, Moylan was on TV.
0: Yeah. Well, on TV? There, there, was, there was not the network TV that you had.
1: In the right. Uh, yeah. Cable. The spend.
0: There was nowhere near the spend that you had, like say in a Hirschauer district or in my district. Mm-hmm my replacement. So yeah, that's right. You are in you, you are in that area. But um to that point though, we have you have a district like that where we only win by seven. I'll be interested when we're looking at the precinct level data, how um how some of these districts where we lost by five points, how those candidates did versus a generic person on the ballot, because when you're outspent three, four, five, six to one, that has to make some sort of an impact.
1: Letissa, you uh, you've got an interesting background here in the fact that you you served in the House. He ran uh, for lieutenant governor uh, in in 2018 and uh, for Congress in the 17th district this year, uh, finishing second in the primary to uh, Eric Sorensen, who looks like he's going to win in uh, the 17th district. Uh, When you and I talked yesterday, I don't know that I can say this publicly. I don't think it was off the record that, you know, not not a lot of Democrats were super optimistic going into that race. So how did they exceed expectations uh, as we. um, uh, as we as we saw those numbers come in. And well, your look, news.
2: I think yep. that, uh, yeah, I think Representative Bethnick is right. when you think about the money, um, the role of money um, and the role of gra- grassroots, um, what I can say about the 17th district is that people were really um, excited around the issues that were at stake. Uh, the Dobbs decision had a huge impact, even in you know rural portions of Illinois, which a good chunk of that particular congressional district is. Um, what you saw was Congressman-elect Sorensen pulling off large counties like Rock Island County, where he currently resides; Winnebago County, where he was born and raised; Peoria County, where there's a large Democratic population, as well as um, an increasingly blue. McLean County um, with the new state legislator, new democratic state legislator coming out of McLean County. I think all of those things um, kind of played well together and created a situation where we were able to get uh, Sorensen over the top. But yes, um, as recently as 24 hours ago, people were very nervous about how that particular race was going to go.
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm not one to... To try to toot my own horn too much, but of course I have to a little bit because I, I, I host this and I have an ego, but I want to play a clip from WGN last night where I, I got to hang out uh, with those guys uh, about what we saw with the numbers. I just want to play this. JB yeah, this, this race was decided in the suburbs. So uh, as of a few minutes ago, in suburban Cook, Pritzker is at suburban 65% Cook. in DuPage, 65. 57%, Lake 56 Kane 53%, McHenry 55%, and at 50 in and Will and Kendall County. This is a suburban repudiation of what the Republican Party is today, and it's uh, if, if Republican primary voters don't get the message that it's time to rid yourselves of the charlatans that think that anti-trans, anti-gay, anti-everybody that isn't a white Christian who who prays the same and does the same and uh, wants no government and no taxes, you're never gonna win. Republicans will never win if they continue on the track they're on today. And I hope, I pray that Republican primary voters Get the message because this isn't working. Well, Mark, am I wrong?
0: <laughs> so the whole thing played on my screen without getting the uh, with, without uh, me hearing the. the sorry, the I, I the essentially
1: said that that Republicans need to uh, stop playing these these far right uh, hateful kind of messages, anti-gay, anti you know anti-trans you know that that have really. Uh, hurt them in the suburbs and they need to, to find candidates that can moderate themselves.
0: Well, I I mean, I don't think we played that message. I think that message was played on the TV screen with advertising, but, but paid for by Democrats. I mean, you have, you have candidates that were extremely, I mean, Seth Lewis, I remember last election was, was considered a, uh, and in Eastern black extremists and Seth Lewis is about as moderate of, a, of a, a Republican as there is now in terms of image and branding, maybe, maybe that is part of it. You know, you, you talk about in your neck of the woods. Um, Mad Podgorski's race I was intimately involved in. I was I was helping him for, for Cook County Commissioner, and we were pulling tapes and he was doing 20 30 points better than the top of the ticket. Um, he's up He's still in the dogfight everybody in his area lost every state rep everybody that that borders him. Um, but I think one of the reasons why he won as opposed to uh, talking about those issues, he was talking about property taxes at the door with people with a plan. He was talking about, about prime at the door with a plan. He was talking about the issues that mattered and not talking about you know all these extraneous things. i mean, the, the part that you touched upon um, a, a, at the end there, uh, the, Trump had a bad night and and the candidates, the type of candidates that that Trump backed in general uh, in general underperformed. and I think that's kind of a similar stru- a theme to what you're talking about. Um I see Latisha nodding there. Um I don't think the Trump back candle is a good money. I, I, and
1: and let's another thing I said last night was that this this election was more a uh, a repudiation of Darren Bailey and a repudiation of Republicans uh out of the mainstream specifically with suburban voters than it was a great mandate for JB Pritzker. How did you see it?
2: You know what? I think I would have to agree with that. I think that what's happening right now is the Democrats have actually done a really good job of tying all Republicans to extremists like Donald Trump. And as long as that messaging is working, it's going to be very difficult for moderate Republicans to kind of break into um, office, maintain office uh, or what have you. What you see, I think, you know, Representative Batnick mentioned this a little bit earlier. You, what you see in primaries is kind of the the extreme and the fringe tend to come out and support in a primary, and then that does not work well in the general. Um, we've seen it on both sides with Dems and Republicans, but particularly over the last uh, this last cycle, we saw that people are not uh, receptive to that message and want to talk about kitchen table issues and that also was just pointed out right people want to know how can we pay for you know our food our gas um or health care people want to know what makes the most sense for their bottom line they want solutions to the problems that they're facing every day not extremist rhetoric
1: how how do democrats sell uh, the gerrymandering issue here. I mean, they they won districts, uh, you know that that were heavily drawn in their favor. You know, the, the Keith Wheeler got moved into a, a heavily Democratic district. You know, Marks, the district vaca- Marks vacating is uh, was was drawn for a Democrat. The uh, the Bloomington Normal to Peoria district that the Sharon Chung is going to win. I mean, McLean County electing a Democrat to the state house is not something you would typically expect. Um, Is, is there a situation here where, where voters are potentially going to uh, look at these maps at some point and say, this is, this is out of control, or do Democrats say we're in the majority? So to hell with your concerns.
2: You know, I think it's possible that they will. You know, nationally, people talk about gerrymandering all the time. And of course, it's typically connected to uh, Republicans gerrymandering maps. That's how the rhetoric goes. I believe in Illinois, though, you know, if you use McLean County as an example, they actually have been trending blue for quite a while. Um, And my own political experience shows that Uh, McLean County went for Biss Wallace in 2018. Um, in the primary, I carried McLean County in this last congressional cycle. So it, it, is, it has been trending blue and I, I'm not necessarily very surprised that uh, that actually played out in how the map was drawn because over the last several cycles, it has gotten bluer um, than it had ever been in, in the past. Or maybe we can say a deeper purple as it moves closer and closer to being true blue.
1: And last I checked, uh, Governor Pritzker was winning in McLean County, which uh, I don't think a lot of people would would uh, have told you going into the night they would have expected. Uh, Mark, I I, let me see if I can pop my uh, results on the screen here real quick again. Uh, As we go through House District races. Uh, this is from the Chicago Tribune website. If you go up and down the list, uh, it was a terrible night for races that Republicans targeted. They wanted to take out Janet Yang Rohr and lost. They wanted to take out Terra Costa Howard and lost. Uh, Dan Mazaki is up, but probably going to lose if late arriving ballots uh, come in as we expect. Uh, Diane Blair Sherlock uh, won, won a district that Republicans thought they could pick up. Uh, San Litro looks like she's going to hang on. That's a, a district that... Uh, you know, Democrats put some money into targeted her shower. She's she's gonna win. Chris Boss is gonna lose. Uh, and um, uh, as we mentioned, Keith Wheeler is gonna lose. So, uh, up and down, you know, up and down the ballot, this this was uh, a really terrible night for House Republicans. One, they didn't raise any money uh, at all. Uh, you know, Jim Durkin kind of hitched his wagon to 10. Ken Griffin's gravy train, which, you know, hopped on his G6 to Florida after losing the primary, Um, it it cost Jim Durkin his job. Uh, What's, what's, uh, you know, and I know you're close to Durkin. What, uh, what's your takeaway as to why Republicans did so poorly in races going into the day they thought they had a lot of, a lot of pickup opportunities?
0: More of has been on TV since August. She has been on network TV since, as, as long as I can rem- remember seeing, seeing you know, her stuff. That, and that was a race that we invested very little money in. Um, you're really talking about the stretch races that maybe, all those races that you kind of brought up were stretch races that were brought up in the last few weeks as maybe a stretch play. I think the races, you always protect your incumbents. So you've got Boss, you've got Keith, you've got Mizaki. I think Keith Wheeler actually ran. Um, little inside tip here, When we did the first poll for Keith Wheeler, the generic ballot was minus 16 in that new district. And I think he's going to lose by five, six. There's only so much you can do to exceed, you know, the lean of your district. Um, You know, you're going to protect Boss and then, and then obviously Mazaki. So those are, those are protects. The main targets after that, we're actually Sanlitro Michelle Smith, who's going to lose by a couple hundred votes in in my district. And frankly, that's just—I I mean, I couldn't watch the World Series and not see a commercial against Michelle if there was—and I think that close. was
1: a D. I think that was a D plus nine district by the time it was redrawn.
0: Uh yeah, and 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 like I said, you you have a situation where our candidate barely loses. I mean, this is going to be a a forty nine and a half to a fifty and a half kind of kind of kind of draw. So so she did well. Versus what the what the top of the ticket likely did there. So you had Smith, Sanlitro, Preston, which we just talked about. Those were kind of the ones that got us close to where we were. What people don't realize is that we had forty five in the house, but we really had forty one because of redistricting. We had to win four open seats to get to that to to that break even point, and then grow from there. After that, you know, kind of the main ra- races were uh, Suzanne Ness um, and maybe Cordy Downstate kind of developed. Those were really the, the, the main targets. After that, you had you had a whole host of races, and I am actually the one that wrote it up on the board, and Schmidt was towards the towards the bottom of it. You had about 10, 15 races where if that map and money didn't hold and the dam broke, you know, if you started winning one, two, or three of those, you felt like you could win a whole bunch of them, and all those were lost in that, you know, five to five to ten point range. Some of you you mentioned Schmidt. That's more.
1: the one kind of unlikely pickup that Republicans are going to get. Uh, it looks like they're going to beat uh, Latoya Greenwood kind of in that. Uh, St. Clair East St. Louis district. Um, before before we uh, move on, Mark, uh, in in terms of who should be the House leader, uh, it looks like uh, Marty McLaughlin from from Barrington Hills is is making a play. Uh, it looks like uh, Tim Ozinga might be making a play. Uh, maybe Ryan Spain or somebody in that camp, and maybe one of the Eastern Bloc people get in. Maybe a, a Dan Hawkins or a Blaine Willauer. Who should be the Republican leader next year?
0: well i'm i'm definitely not gonna uh i'm gonna hear from some of the candidates although i won't have a vote but i can say what the qualifications need to be you need to show that you have a handle on the campaign bucket you need to show you have a a handle on the um running a campaign bucket you need to show you have a handle on the policy bucket you need to show you can raise money and if you don't have some sort of experience in those boxes I don't think you have what it takes to uh, to, to be a leader. So you need to be able to to manage all those different things. It's a big thing managing all the stateside policy, and it's a big thing run running the campaigns. You know, we did a good autopsy after twenty eighteen, and we had a good twenty twenty, especially considering the spend. We're going to have to do that again after this last election. But I I, I want to see a leader that actually has a vision and a path to
1: winning some seats. And Latessa, um, we'll let you guys go here, and I appreciate the conversation. Um, Democrats now have uh, potentially even stronger control uh, it, on state government than they had before. Obviously, the governor wins a re-election; uh, they're going to expand their majority in the House. Still, they'll, they'll probably lose a couple of net seats in the Senate, uh, but will still retain a supermajority. Uh, the governor clearly has his eyes on on national politics. They they can say he's focused on serving four years as governor, but. Uh, There's there's wiggle room in the way that they're saying it. Uh, COGFA is is saying that uh, revenues are expected to to crater this year. Uh, The federal dollars are running out uh, and you still have a progressive uh, House, specifically House uh, Republican uh, caucus or House Democratic caucus that that seems to want to throw a lot of money at a lot of things. How do they keep the ship afloat? Uh, as, as the state faces the challenges and they're going to have to do it all on their own. Oh, looks like we'll see, isn't that how, isn't that how technology works? You ask a hard question and she hangs up. Uh, no, it's, um, and, and we'll see if we can get her back here in the next minute or two, but, uh, it's, um. It's it's you know, I I do think that's a serious question, Mark, as to how uh, how Democrats are going to be able to uh, to manage um, financially when when we have all of these uh, these potential uh, uh, financial challenges. And you're someone that's that's argued for fiscal responsibility for years. How do they do it?
0: Well, I'm actually filing a bill. They they have a little bit of wiggle room, believe it or not. We're at the peak of our pension payment in terms of percentage of the budget. And I think that as that goes down, I I wrote a white paper I'll be filing the legislation shortly. It's actually ready to be filed. That actually puts that in action in terms of how to lower property taxes so you don't start using that money for new pro for new programs. Um, we have a history in this state of, of spending, ch- having money chase programs that aren't working instead of chasing the ones that are. The way we fund our universities is an example. ISU, Illinois State University has grown, but we've been giving them a set pile of money per year and just giving them a little bit more kind of based on inflation. And so they get much less per student, even though they're grown and doing a good job than other universities. So we don't do a good job spending our money efficiently. And I actually think with, inflation has helped uh our pension debt situation and it's it's an it's an odd thing i won't get into so they do have a little bit of wiggle room in terms of in terms of the budget but it is going to be a a left caucus. um we we in the house used to talk about how uh the senate was one of the most leftist chambers in the country but the the house has exceeded that um the, the people voted for it um they voted for it last time they got it and and the house took that left turn and they gave them a, a stronger majority so i think we're just going to get more of a movement in, in that direction they won the election that's how it works
1: and let just wallace is back after an internet drop um, same you know final final question is to you there uh, Latessa. um how how do democrats uh manage to govern with with these progressive majorities that want to spend a lot of money when when revenue is expected to uh to crater a little bit All right. looks like we're having internet issues again. So, uh, all right. So, uh, Mark Batnick, uh, Letissa Wallace, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, we really do appreciate your, your insight, uh, Mark, uh, thank you for, for your service in the general assembly. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I hope we'll continue to be able to have you, uh, here and there as, uh, a, a pundit once you move past, uh, your, your legislative service. And of course, thanks to Letissa Wallace who, who is, uh, even though we don't see the, um, she and I don't see the world. Mark, I know you would say the same thing. She and I don't see the world the same way uh, all the time, but uh, appreciate the fact that uh, she and I can always have really thoughtful conversations.
0: Yeah. I always enjoy I mean, it's too bad. She's not here. I always enjoyed my, my uh, time in the house with uh, rep Wallace. So
1: uh, I'll have to give her a phone
0: call and an official thank you at some other time.
1: All right, uh, guys. Thanks so much. I, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate your conversation. Thanks so much for, uh, uh, for being with us today on our uh, uh, live stream and podcast here uh, from theillinois.com. And we're going to uh, immediately uh, transition now to bring in Brendan Moore uh, from uh, Lee Enterprises. He is the uh, government reporter for uh, for those newspapers, Herald and Review, uh, Bloomington Panagraph, Southern Illinois, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Brendan is uh, uh looking, uh, casual today, uh, as, as, uh, he was up late. You were at the Bailey, uh, headquarters last night, right? Um, they were, they were seemingly a little, uh, a little shocked when the race got called at seven o'clock in three seconds or whatever it was when, uh, when, when the AP called it, what was the reaction in the room?
3: I think a lot of people were just very surprised. Uh, I mean, even four years ago when governor Rauner, Lost uh, to Governor Pritzker. I mean, I think they AP waited 15 minutes uh, to call it. Um, I think a lot of people were were just kind of confused, and then uh, uh, it was almost like uh, a, a balloon, uh, air being let out of the balloon very slowly uh, as the night went on. Obviously, the governor uh, gave his victory speech a little before eight o'clock, and uh, by nine o'clock, uh, Senator Bailey had not come out yet. And actually, I ran into a couple of Bailey supporters who are like, you know, when's Darren going to speak? Uh, you know, they had the shirts on and everything. They were big supporters, and they're like, you know, this is kind of boring. And that kind of sums up the night that you know they, you know, some of these folks came for a party, and uh, it, it they, they didn't get the uh, intended result. that yeah, they no, wanted. no,
1: no party at the ball this time. Um, no. You know, I, it, it was clear though that this race was decided in the suburbs. As you, you know, he, he didn't seem to make a lot of uh, inward statement as to why they lost or how they lost or where they lost. Uh, Mm -hmm. Does, does the Bailey campaign admit to their, their, their failures in the suburbs?
3: Uh, He did not really, like you said, Patrick, he didn't really get into it in his speech last night and I haven't heard anything to that effect from, uh, the Bailey folks, uh, they really, in this campaign, tried to hone in on on this message of, of crime. They thought that was going to resonate in the suburbs. Uh, they thought maybe there was a, a hidden vote there. Uh, a lot of polls didn't really pick up crime as, as an issue, maybe as much as Republicans thought. Uh, and perhaps that was borne out uh, in some of those results. I mean, it appears that Governor Pritzker is going to win the collar counties by even bigger margins than he did. Uh, in 2018, which is uh, quite remarkable. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, uh, uh all the reports of a uh, Bailey surge, a Republican surge in the suburbs just did not come to fruition.
1: No, I, and I mean, it, it you know, I, I don't know if we were had, um, I'm sure you were getting the same, you know, the same talk from people that I was getting. Um, and but. I had Democrats as of yesterday afternoon, tell me that, that it wasn't going to be a good night for them. Right. And and instead the governor wins by 11 or is up by 11, you know, the, they won all the constitutionals, they won all the congressional races, Mm -hmm. including the 13th, which I'll get to here in a second. Um, they, they picked up seats in the house. They, they staved off even worse losses in the Senate than they were expecting going into the day. Um, I'll ask you the same question I asked our our guests earlier. Was this a repudiation of Republicans or was this a, uh, a hook line and sinker for, for those liberal democratic policies? Uh,
3: I mean, I, I think there'll be a lot of, a lot of different hot takes on on what these results mean. Uh, I, I suppose, uh, I would say though, that at least in Illinois, uh, you had candidates at the top of the ticket on the Republican side that, don't necessarily match the state. I mean, Darren Bailey was the most conservative nominee for, for governor in a very long time, and uh, Illinois obviously has voted Democratic in every presidential election since uh, I believe 1988, um, and and obviously voted for President Biden by 17 points. And even if you know the president isn't very popular in the, around the country right now, Illinois is still a Democratic state, and uh, I. You know I, I ran into actually at uh, i was at nikki butzinski's party last night after going to bailey i ran into governor edgar uh who was mm-hmm. there uh for nikki butzinski and uh asked him hey you know what, what does this result mean and he basically said it's not new anything new anyone who's talked to him knows he believes this but you know republicans gotta move back to the center uh in illinois if they want to win because uh it was pretty clear that uh the uh, conservative candidates leading their ticket." uh, uh, did not do well and perhaps help drag down, uh, the rest of the ticket. Uh, and, and of course too, uh, we should not forget that, you know, governor Pritzker spent a lot more money than Darren Bailey. It was partially made up for by all the ads that Dan Proff is running with his super PAC, but, uh, but clearly, you know, Democrats had way more resources and, uh, and, perhaps uh, a better message. I mean, you know, the Republican message was very much doom and gloom on crime on the economy and on all these things. And, uh, I mean, Illinois, uh, is not in as bad of a position as it had, that has been in the past. I mean, there have been some credit rating upgrades, you know, there, there have been some, you know, budgets have been, you know, I guess, balanced, uh, at least more so than in the past, uh, you know, there's, there's more optimism and, uh, and I think that perhaps the doom and gloom didn't really sell with a lot of people.
1: Let's let's mention that 13th congressional district mm-hmm. race between Nikki Budzinski and Regan Deering. Um, I, I, again, I think that was on the list of a race that people uh, going into the night thought was going to be really close, mm-hmm. or even if the red wave was was wavy enough, it could potentially take Budzinski out. Mm-hmm. She's up twenty three thousand votes at mm-hmm. this point. Um, Fifty-five, forty-five, uh, as as Champaign County numbers kind of came in late. Uh, that that's an overperformance of kind of everything we expected going in. Uh, what what did what did they say as to uh, what caused what caused that that really overperformance in big win for her?
3: Well, I think that a big part of it was that the red wave just didn't come. And uh, I mean, the district voted for President Biden by 11 points in, in 2020. Um, that being said, uh, I mean, nobody, nobody saw that coming. I, mean, I think most people thought that, that Budzinski would, would pull it out. I mean, the Republicans really didn't devote many outside resources to that race. Um, but a lot of people, even up until yesterday, Democrats were telling me that it was going to be you know, like a squeaker. It was going to be you know, a few points either way. Uh, You know, but own internal polling had her, I mean, they had her up, but like it was single digits, uh, you know, mid single digits, and she's going to end up winning by, you know, 10, at least 10, yeah, at least 10 points. And, and, um, which I think is, 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 again, a testament to just wasn't the night that Republicans thought it was going to be. And also, I mean, she You know, there's a lot made about her, you know, they try to label her an insider. And, you know, she has worked in politics for 20 years in Washington and Springfield. But uh, she kind of does fit the district. I mean, she talked about a lot of issues that, uh, you know, that working class people in the district uh, care about. I mean, she carried Madison County, uh, which is a very blue collar, Trumpy county, uh, one that you wouldn't expect a Democrat to do well in. Um, and and, and and
1: was and was the place where Republicans got one of their few pickups in the night in the, the Senate district down there,
3: right? Right, and and two of their pickups saying,
1: with the green well, Greenwood is mostly St. Clair, but you right,
3: know. but 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 and she mentioned this last night. Uh, she was asked about like you know, uh, about those blue dog ancestral Democrats that that the party's lost over the years, and she's like, Well, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Granite City talking to steel workers and talking about issues like trade, and you know, and that perhaps that that resonated and help, helped her overperform even what president biden did a couple of years ago um uh, should also be mentioned too that she was on you know st louis tv a lot more than Nick or uh, regan deering was um so name id helps uh exposure helps but, but i think that she she had the message for the district and uh you know she talked about abortion too but like she but she was laser focused on on the economy and i think that you know she didn't run away from that, even though, you know, it was a tough issue for Democrats this year. So two more, two
1: more quick things for you, Brendan. And I appreciate yeah. you, you kind of hung on as we went a little late earlier. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you covered the 48th Senate district race, which was an ugly, brutal, mean race, uh, between divorce Turner and Sandy Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Turner's going to win that race. It was about 1300 votes. When I finally went to bed at 4am or 5am or whatever it was, but, um, what happened there and, uh, what does that mean for Turner moving forward?
3: So, I again, I think my, my estimation is, I mean, obviously the Senate Democrats went all in for Doris Turner. I mean, they spent a lot of money. I believe they outspent the Republicans three to one. Uh, they still had to deal with some of those brutal ads. that Doris did it about, uh, you know, implying that she was corrupt, uh, you know, and, 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 and and those ads really, really, really cut. But uh, no, no, no one outworks Doris Turner at the doors. Uh, she she knocked on a lot of doors, you know, and she was everywhere. Uh, from the minute that she was appointed to that seat last year, uh, you know, she's been visible not not just in Springfield, where people already know her, but in Decatur, um, you know. And 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 so she she put in the work, and and she had a very robust uh, campaign operation. Uh, that, that got the vote out for her, um, you know, Sandy Hamilton, she had experienced campaign staff too. Uh, she had, you know, Rodney Davis people helping her out. Like um, the thought that that maybe would help. Uh, she had, you know, SHG, uh, Sacred Heart Griffin, Mafia, Background typically works in Springfield, <laughs> but uh, but you know, she hasn't done this before. I mean, uh, Doris Turner has been around for 20 years, and and even even the even the stuff about the about the Doris did it, the corruption. I mean, that like that that's all been reported, like, people, but to, but
1: to overcome your husband going to federal prison, right, in a in a state government worker, you know, a district is is huge. I mean, it's it's, it was, it's almost unbelievable.
3: Yes. I, and there a lot of, I mean, a lot of people thought it would be close, but I don't think a lot of people thought she would pull it out. So it's a major feather in her cap. And also it is historic. She It makes her the first uh, black person elected in uh, Decatur or Springfield to the General Assembly. She was appointed last year. She's now elected. So.
1: And then we saw after the shellacking the House Republicans took that um, uh, Jim Durkin will not seek another term as leader. Uh, there there are some names floating around like Marty McLaughlin and, and Tim Ozinga. And I, I would expect the Eastern Bloc folks to to put a name out there, whether it's Blaine Willauer or Dan Calkins. Uh the Republican caucus is gonna do, to be shrunk. It's gonna be more conservative. Uh it's it's gonna be split. Uh how how do you see that shaking out as we've had this news now for five or six hours? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Leader Durkin, I mean, when your party loses seats, you know, it, 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 that's not a surprise. But um, yeah, I think that we're going to see uh, uh, probably a lot of discussions be had, uh, especially when they when lawmakers are down here for veto session. I'm sure Republicans will be having those conversations. On if they want to be their leader. Um, I think that uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how you know some of these candidates try to, to build coalitions uh obviously as you said it's probably going to be more conservative caucus a lot of the more moderate members uh, have lost over the years in the suburbs or you know left to run for other things um so you have the eastern bloc that will be probably be a force in this race um probably won't be able to get one of their own members elected i would i would assume but uh they could you know be a kingmaker perhaps um it was interesting that uh uh you know Tim Ozinga donated, I believe, a million dollars to his uh, uh, campaign uh, the other day. Uh, they could have
1: used that six weeks ago.
3: Could have used it six weeks ago, uh, but perhaps a show of force of look at this money that I have that, you know, I can help raise money and, and support, you know, candidates in the future. I uh, don't know how that sells. Again, could have been used six weeks ago, but uh, I think that'll be a challenge is that, you know, how do you make, you know, I mean, they're, they're a super minority caucus now. They, they still are. And even more so. Uh, how do you make, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you fight back against that? And, you know, I think that whoever the next leader is going to be is going to have to show that, you know, they can, they can raise money and that they can, uh, you know, craft a message that can compete with, uh, you know, with house Democrats and, uh, and that, that that's going to be no easy task, uh, especially with the structural disadvantages, uh, you know, the map and all the money. That, that's being spent against them it's it's an un it's, it's not a fun position i imagine uh, for any no. anybody to be in <laughs> no
1: uh brendan Moore lee enterprises uh brendan appreciate it thanks for all your uh your time and your hard work you've done great work uh, throughout this uh this primary or this primary and general season we uh we didn't get a break this time uh <laughs> but uh, always uh love the work you do and, and respect the work you do uh and uh look forward to seeing you soon probably during veto session in the next few weeks
3: Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Patrick.
1: All right. So, it is uh post election day, we are done. Uh we are done with an election and now uh, uh we have to uh govern. And, you know, Democrats are going to have uh control of uh, of everything. Uh again continue to contr- have control of everything. Super majorities in the House and Senate, expanded super in the House, the governor has has uh you know, one re-election with a a, a gigantic majority and and it's if you're a Democrat, you're probably very happy today. If you're a Republican, you're probably very concerned today And if you're an independent, if you're a moderate, uh, I, I think it would be safe to say that uh, there are a lot of question marks moving forward. And you know I uh, all I'll say is that um, the election's over now. Uh, it's clear who, who has won here in Illinois and who has lost. And uh, it's now time to get to work. And, you know, instead of name calling and, and flinging poo, it's, it's, it's time for both sides to, to get together. And, you know, I, I hope the governor tracks to the center a little bit. Uh, I hope that the Republicans, instead of uh, just wanting to be the guys that shout and scream and vote no on everything actually want to uh, participate in processes and and make bad bills better uh, so that so that we can have uh, some progress we need progress because uh, our political system is is broken as we well know and uh and where there are a lot of challenges coming in this state over the next few years and i hope I hope I hope the grown-ups can show up and and be the ones in the room and and make some positive changes for us moving forward. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. You can subscribe to our newsletter anytime at theillinois.com, illinoiz e.com. Uh, we we really do appreciate your support and uh, all of your your comments, thoughts and emails over the last uh, few days. Uh, it's it's really been a, a great uh, election season for us uh, with our, our views and our clicks and, and all of the, uh, all the people who are are seeing what we're riding. And, uh, we're, we're glad to have you along for the ride. It's, it's, it's been a fun, uh, two plus years so far, and we're going to keep it going. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.